Uh, and welcome to episode 417 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and it is the first episode in the month of May. And longtime listeners of the show know that every May here on Monster Kid Radio, we celebrate luchador monster movies by calling the month Lucha de Mayo. Did it again? Lucha de Mayo. And I know it sounds like I'm doing a bit every time I get that name wrong. I really don't. I really do try to remember it's Mayo, Mayo, Lucha de Mayo, not Lucha de Mayo. Uh, Mark Peterson, Dr. Tongue even told me to hold the Mayo, and, and that runs through my head every time. But every, <clears throat> Lucha de Mayo is what we're doing this month here on Monster Kid Radio. We're going to talk about Luchador Monster movies, and I adore these films. Now, typically, what that means is that you get the show as normal. But instead of a traditional or maybe not so traditional classic or maybe not so classic monster movie, we talk about luchador monster movies instead. And this year, I've got four movies picked out with four different people coming on to talk about these movies in the following weeks. This week's episode is going to be structured a little differently, and I'm going to ask you to bear with me, and I appreciate your patience as we kind of change up the format a little bit. There is some business that we need to get to here on the show. The Monster Movie Madness Tournament 2019 that Steve Turek launched is still running. We are about to announce who won the last round, and then we're going to present what the bracket looks like now. And then we're going to ask you to hop over to tinyurl.com slash mmmadness2019 and pick your favorites to help us advance the bracket to the next round. So you're going to get that conversation first. And then after that, I'm going to take you to last week's Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema here in Tigard, Oregon. The reason being is, coincidentally, they showed a Luchador movie. And I'd like to say that we planned this whole thing, but it really was one heck of a coincidence that I'm going to take advantage of. So here's what happened at Weird Wednesday. I introduced the film. I chatted with a longtime friend of the show, talked a little bit about the movie itself. So that's what you're going to get in this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. Now, when I recorded that at the Joy Cinema, I had intended to run that segment first in the show. So you're going to hear me say welcome to the show and all the normal introduction preamble stuff that I normally do here at the beginning of every episode of Monster Kid Radio. Speaking of the beginning of every episode, we open every episode with, well, a cool surf song. And this time around, we're using the song Brawler. It comes from the band... Surferific Dudes. It's on their album Sharks in Tuxedos. This album just came out last month. You can find it at surferificdudes.bandcamp.com or you can check out their website at surferific.com. I'll make sure there are links in the show notes. They are a surf band based out of Lynchburg, Virginia. Check them out. Give them a little love and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. So you're going to hear that song in its entirety at the end of the episode. Also in this episode, I'm going to play a little other music uh, to kind of set the stage for all things Luchador. We have some music from the Nick Adams as well as the Dead Elvi, so stay tuned for that. That'll be playing all that's happening in this episode. And of course, we have some of our regular segments as well. Professor Frenzy's got a bedtime story. Dr. Tongue's going to tell us about some monster collectibles. And Kenny's got a really cool Famous Monsters of Filmland segment. Of course, we're going to visit the Monster Movie Madness Tournament right after this. The 
this is the voice of a woman dreaming of her lover. Please, darling, let me close. I love you so much. And this, a woman having a nightmare. Let me out! What are dreams? What do they mean? When you dream, you wander into another world where everything is strange and terrifying. When you dream, you too become a Nightwalker. The Nightwalker brings Robert Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck together again in the film Shocker of the Year. Yes, I do have a lover. Tell me his name. I wish to God I could, but he's only a dream. And now, a warning from producer William Castle. Our new picture, The Nightwalker, may force you to dream of things you're ashamed to admit. If you can't stand your own dreams, don't see The Nightwalker. The Nightwalker. If somebody asked you to describe a movie to them, what would you say? Would you say that Guardians of the Galaxy is Star Wars meets the A-Team, or that Jurassic Park is Westworld meets the Lost World? The X meets Y pitch is a long-standing Hollywood tradition, one that's been used to sell plenty of movies that otherwise probably wouldn't have been made. But instead of starting with a script and comparing it to two movie titles for an X meets Y pitch, what if we started with two movie titles and improvised the pitch? Well, on my podcast, X Meets Y, that's exactly what we do. I'm Jonathan Inbody, and each episode, I and a guest will randomly select two movie titles, and then we have half an hour to come up with a new original movie idea that could be described as Movie X Meets Movie Y. We've done episodes like Ocean's Eleven Meets 2001 A Space Odyssey, Godzilla Meets Old Yeller, and Robocop Meets Dead Poet Society. Basically, it's a half-hour sprint through a brainstorming session, and it is a lot of fun. If any of that sounds even the slightest bit fun to you, then you should give X Meets Y a listen. It's available wherever you find your podcasts or at xmeetsy.libsyn.com. Hopefully, you'll hear my voice again very soon, but for now, enjoy the rest of your regularly scheduled podcast, you lucky so-and-so. Such carryings on, and such carryings out, you've never seen. I've caught a glimpse of a young woman like Melissa. You try to get her here. If we succeed, she'll be yours more for. The doctor's dilemma has to do with an impossible cure. He's blood-bent on affecting. No matter how many beautiful girls are tortured and killed in the process. You've gone crazy. You're possessed by the demon of torture and murder. You've committed your last crime. I hate it. She's the cause of all this. like to shiver and shake, quiver and quake, there's mayhem on a monstrous scale in the most unlawful, really awful, awful Dr. Orlock.
Professor Frenzek, it's a show. Professor Frenzek, show. Professor Frenzek, it's a show. Professor Frenzek, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you some stories contained in the EC Horror Comics. Today's story is Portrait in Wax. It is from The Vault of Horror number 12, the April-May issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Johnny Craig. So sit back, relax, while I wax nostalgic. It is Paris in the 1930s. Two artists, Robert and Henry, share an apartment. Robert was a genius. He made etchings, but didn't care for money at all. Henry wasn't nearly as talented. Frustrated at his lack of success, Henry stole one of Robert's etchings and took them to an art buyer. The buyer was thrilled at the quality of the artwork, called Henry a genius, and offered him any amount of money he asked for. Robert, however, saw his work for sale in an art gallery and confronted Henry. They argued. Robert said he would go to the police, and to stop him, Henry threw a nearby glass jar at him. The jar was full of acid used for the etchings and hit the talented artist in the face, killing him. What could he do with the body? Luckily, there was a vat of acid in the apartment, and Henry dumped Robert's body into it, erasing the evidence of his crime. Henry moved to London and sold Robert's etchings one by one. He lived the high life and was heralded as a genius. But one day, he realized he was running out of etchings to sell. What could he possibly do? Then he received a letter. One of Henry's friends had died, and an artist created a wax sculpture of the man. He asked if Henry would like to come see it. Henry agreed and left for the house. The little old man met him at the doorstep and invited him inside, where Henry saw the most lifelike sculpture he could imagine. This artist is a genius, too. Could this be the answer to Henry's money troubles? Henry told the man that he would like to open a wax museum where he would display the figures. The man reluctantly agreed, but had two conditions. He would always work alone, and he would only make sculptures of people who had died. They seemed like strange conditions, but Henry agreed. The museum opened up and Henry passed the artworks off as his own. Again, he was called a genius. The money rolled in again. One day, while rearranging the museum, Henry bumped one of the statues onto a wall, breaking it. The wax fell away and exposed an actual human hand. All of the statues were human beings covered in wax. No wonder the artist would only sculpt dead people. The artist came into the room and laughed at Henry. Didn't he recognize his old friend? Henry hit the man and the wax fell from his face and revealed a hideous visage. It was Robert with his face destroyed by acid. The next day, the newspaper announced Henry's death by a heart attack. Patrons of the wax museum were surprised to find a statue of the recently deceased Henry. Didn't he only sculpt dead people? If so, how did he do it himself? Robert, with his wax face on, listened and laughed. The end. I hope you enjoyed that tale of terror. 
This is a classic EC Comics morality tale. The evildoer gets his comeuppance in a hideous fashion. There is no way that a modern reader would miss the twist ending. We're expecting Henry's demise for a page or two before it actually happens. But if you're like me and love these stories, the expectation of Robert's vengeance is delicious. I can't say if the twist was a surprise to 1950s comics readers. I presume that the audience was younger than the average comic book reader today. So maybe it was a shock. Some might call the plot a trope, but for me, it's a classic. The best part of the art was the depiction of Henry. He seemed tall and thin with a long, angular face and a pencil-thin mustache. The epitome of a handsome, smooth-talking con man. There are several abstract panels that show Henry thinking about all the money that he will make or is making. It's very effective. If you're interested in a copy of The Vault of Horror Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics, and Bat Books for Beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter, at Professor Frenzy, and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned. And thanks for listening. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy. The Astro Zombies, subhuman electronic transplants that mutilate, torture, and kill in an orgy of blood-splattering horror beyond your imagination. Their creed was to kill, kill, kill. Watch as a deranged scientist transfers beating hearts and throbbing brains from living bodies to create the Astro Zombies. Horror, suspense, and chills tear at your senses as Wendell Corey and John Carradine match wits in the blood-drenched color film The Astro Zombies, coming soon to your local theater. Watch it and die a thousand deaths. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real, but fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural ghoulish and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Brides of Dracula. Never, never before has a motion picture revealed so much of the mystical, the unnatural. The Brides of Dracula. Out of the unknown darkness he comes. The handsomest, the most evil Dracula of them all. Bringing horror beyond human endurance to a fashionable girl's school. Who can resist him as one by one he seeks out his fresh, innocent victims? Who will be next to know his kiss of death as one by one he lures young beauties into the timeless, bloodless realm of the undead? Beware of pity, for he feels none. Beware of love, for none can refuse him. Never has the struggle between good and evil been so shocking and the outcome so uncertain. Terror beyond telling in color. The Brides of Dracula. 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 Dracula.
winners of this year's Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards were announced earlier this week, and I just want to thank everybody who supported Monster Kid Radio in the Best Multimedia category. Once again, we came in as a runner-up, and we couldn't have made it that far on the ballot without your help and support. I really appreciate it. I love that the Rondos is a thing that exists. I love that there's a way to acknowledge a lot of the folks out there doing a lot of good, good work in Monster Kid Dumb. David Colton has reached out to me and he'd like to be on the show again and I would love to have him back on. So stay tuned because later this year you'll be hearing from the man who runs the Rondos uh, on Monster Kid Radio. Chat about this year's ballot, how things kind of shook out and we'll see what happens. And while my pick for Monster Kid Hall of Fame didn't make it, I still want to give a huge shout out to Kyle Yount, the man behind the Kaiju cast. In fact, as of this recording, a new episode has come out all about Ultraman featuring, well, Charles Babbage, who's a friend of the show, recently been on the show. He's joining Kyle alongside Rachel Cook and Dave Helfrey. So you can guess what podcast I'm going to be listening to as soon as I get done editing this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Kaiju cast forever! Steve and I talking about the Monster Movie Madness Tournament. What round are we on, Steve? Well, we finished round two. We're heading to round three. And I will tell you, this round is nothing but madness, sheer madness. Up until the very last minute, I feel like there were a couple that were neck and neck, literally 50% on either side of the vote. Yes, there were two of them that were exactly deadlocked until the final vote was cast before midnight. And then we had um, one of them that was just maybe two votes off. And there were some movies that were surprises how close they ended up being. I mean, there, there was a few blowouts, but it's it definitely been exciting. So why don't we go ahead and, and talk about who won those matchups. We'll start with the East Division. The first matchup was King Kong versus Mothra. And did it go the way you thought it would? I think it's safe to say that all the, all the top seeds in all the regions easily advanced on. Some of them were a little closer than they were in the first round, which is to be expected. But all the top seeds are ringing true. So King Kong, yes, beat Mothra. I voted for Mothra. I mean, how, could, how can you not vote for the, the female monster, the kaiju? And sadly, she is now no longer, or is she? <laughs> well, this year, in this year's tournament, she is no longer. Just say that. Or is she? Oh, whatever. Okay, next <laughs> round. <laughs> next matchup. Invisible Man and the Mummy, a classic universal classic hammer film. Uh, I think this one kind of played out the way I thought it would, too. Played out what I expected. The Invisible Man won, but it was the margin of the Invisible Man won by surprised me. Were you expecting it to be more of a blowout or more evenly matched? I was expecting it to be close. I was expecting oh, okay. it to be just like a couple of vote difference, and instead it was, uh, it was um, the Invisible Man won. It wasn't a blowout. But it, right. had, it had the match well in hand. It never seemed to be in doubt. We had, what, about 42% of the vote went to the mummy. The rest went to the Invisible Man. So it was a tight match. But I think, at least when you're dealing with monster kids, the default is to go to Universal first, then Hammer, then whatever else. Uh, I just thought 
to be more love for Cushing, especially. I mean, well, who'd you, who did you vote for? I think I did the mummy because I love Cushing, but I understand the invisible man too. The invisible man is typically underrated when you talk about universal monster movies. Anyway, it doesn't get enough love. I feel like, but maybe I'm part of the problem since I voted for the mummy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't, well, my, I know Ben, voted for the invisible man he loves claude rains he loves that laugh uh for listeners ben has been on the podcast in last year's monster bash coverage uh ben is steve's son and he's awesome and uh you know he's got good taste in movies so i'm not gonna argue about that either well i actually he does have good taste but he also has some interesting taste and you'll find that down the road okay fair enough fair enough all right the next matchup this one, I didn't know where it was going to go, so I was real curious. It was The Thing from Another World and The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. This one went exactly the way I thought it was, and The Thing from Another World winning easily. I voted for The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad because I just loved that movie so much. But The Thing from Another World, you're talking about one of the top ten classic sci-fi movies with a monster in it. Well, I agree with you 100%. The reason I thought it was going to be a lot closer, though is that every time Sinbad comes up in conversation on the Monster Kid Radio Facebook group or in person with other people who listen to the show or other Monster Kids, there is an obvious and evident love for the Sinbad movies. And it usually is a little bigger than I would assume. And I'm not saying I dislike those movies. I just feel like I don't give them enough credit or as much credit as, say, other Monster Kids do. Does that make sense? I understand where you're coming from. When we did the booth yes last year at Monster Bash, I knew how a lot of people were talking, and the thing mm-hmm. from another world was was definitely a favorite amongst the listeners. So that's why I wasn't surprised. If I would gotcha. have been talking to so many listeners that showed up at your booth, I probably would have been more shocked about the the, the difference. Okay. Speaking of a close one, though. <laughs> oh my! So this one was neck and neck till the very end, the final matchupper in this division. Them versus Rodan. Both movies that got a little bit of attention in the most recent episode of Monster Kid Radio, coincidentally. <laughs> yes, and one single vote difference. So people, vote for your movies. Because <laughs> one vote decided this one. Up until the last minute, till that last vote, it was neck and neck. You can pretty much say your your last podcast, who was the number one movie that you and the guy picked, if I remember correctly? Yeah, Mike Bogue and I both had them as our favorite Big Bug Monster movie. And them won by a single vote. You know, the way this form presents its data to me, I can look at the percentage. And Rodan, 49.3% of the vote went to Rodan. <laughs> That's how close it was versus the 50.7% for them. And I was a little worried because you and I were trying to come up with, well, what are we going to do if there's a tie? How are we going to work this out? So I'm glad that happened. Whew, there's a nail biter. Oh, that that is for sure. That was a nail biter. There are two other nail biters coming up. But not with the next matchup. We're moving into the North Division, and this one went exactly the way that I thought it would. Original Frankenstein versus the original Black Cat from 34. And like I said to everybody, the top seeds easily advanced, and Frankenstein easily advanced over to Black Cat. Both, both are great movies, but when you're talking monster movies you're freaking frankenstein i mean everybody knows frankenstein's monster right understandably so now you and i both love the black cat and i know that you made a case for it not necessarily being a quote-unquote monster movie every time it comes up and i get that point of view and i do think the black cat does offer a little bit more bang for its buck however it's frankenstein it's it's 
not necessarily the first universal horror classic, but I would say probably one of the most important. It, it did get like 27% of the vote. So it's not like it was like nobody cared about it. It, it, had, it had, you know, some people out there rooting for it, but it was sure an extreme underdog. Yep. That was a blowout. Oh but boy. The next one was, was two or three votes different. So the uh, contender is this time around in the next matchup was the war of the worlds versus Mothra versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus the thing. And this one did not go the way that I thought it would. It went the way I was hoping it would. And this is where I said, is Mothra really gone? Mothra's still alive. I <laughs> Mothra, get it. Mothra, it's cocooned. It went into its cocoon form. It's now come back out. It's in full Mothra form. And they flew over the War of the Worlds. Barely. Barely. I mean, this one was a come from behind win. Yeah, uh, it was a close one. I was really hoping for War of the Worlds just because I, I love that movie. But. You know, I didn't grow up as a kaiju kid. I was a monster kid first and then a kaiju kid second. So that's where my mindset was. But I, I know that you're a huge fan of all things kaiju. So I totally get your point of view. Well, it, and also has Godzilla in it. So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's not too, like, I think, I think if it had been Rodan versus Godzilla, Rodan might have pulled it out. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. but well, it'll be interesting when they see how they do with the next matchup. But let's finish out this. Yeah, well, um, here's one that went exactly the way everybody was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein versus Island of the Lost Souls, and uh, I think it's it's almost like it's setting up for Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein to meet each other in the end to get and <laughs> see it from this division. But there is still like Mothra versus Godzilla has something to say about it, and there's another movie that has something to say about that too. Right. But so far, the Frankenstein phenomenon continues with Bride of Frankenstein taking it this time around. And I, I saw that coming. Yeah, like I like said, even these other movies are losing. They're still ones that you and I both enjoy and we watch a lot. But it's just it's just hard to, <laughs> to mm -hmm. beat Bride of Frankenstein. Well, was it hard to beat the next Frankenstein movie, uh, the next matchup? Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein versus Jason and the Argonauts. Two totally different kinds of movies. <laughs> I was watching the responses as they're coming in. This one, I think Jason and the Argonauts ran out of time on the clock. Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein had a huge lead. They were about 70%, 30% at one time. And it ebbed ever so slowly down to where Abbott and Costello had 54% of the vote when they won. I mean, Jason and the Argonauts was coming back. Yeah, maybe if we gave it a few more days, it would have pulled ahead. But it was a tough one. It was one to watch for sure. Now, you and I have the benefit that the listeners and the participants don't really have is that we can go in and see who's ahead where. And I don't know if that makes it more exciting or less exciting for us because we know what's going to happen. But when you see those ties show up and it's movies that you really want to see get through, like when I was watching Mothra versus Godzilla in that thing, and it's, it's tough because you're like, oh, no, please come. Don't. <laughs> it, it reminds me so much of last year when I was adding up the top 100 poll. Yeah, and I and the sea Godzilla had this nice comfortable lead over another movie, and the sea that lead ebb away, and the sea that movie win by a single vote over Godzilla it, it, to be the number three movie that creature the Black Lagoon thing, and Godzilla would be fourth. That that was heartbreaking for me. I know it was <laughs> not for you, but <laughs> well, well, you know, well, well. Speaking of Godzilla, the the shadow of the original kaiju <laughs> is looming over us because that's the next matchup. Yes. Godzilla versus Dracula, Prince of Darkness. This turned out the way you thought it would, right? And it's Godzilla that won, obviously. Yeah, Godzilla won like easily. It actually was closer earlier on, 
but it wasn't like Godzilla was in doubt. It was more of a matchup in the first, like the first half, if you want to use basketball terms. And then Godzilla just pulled away. I'm, I'm sorry. What, what kind of terms? Basketball. I'm sorry. You call it sports ball. Sports ball. Oh, okay. Okay. Sports ball. Got it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget who I'm talking to. <laughs> this is Monster Kid Radio, not Sports Kid Radio. Thank you very much. Call, I don't we know. We call it Monster Ball. Monster Ball? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that really needs to be a thing. Uh, I want to put a pin in that, and uh, we will, we'll revisit that later. Uh, I can see that Monster Kid Radio. You know, there's a little bat, like like little basketball things you can buy, except have Monster Kid Radio on them. You could sell them. Oh my! At Monster Bash. Oh wow! Okay, seriously, pin in this. I am revisiting this topic. Uh, let, let's go. <laughs> All right. So the next matchup, and this was another one that was so close single vote i'm surprised it went the way it did to be honest uh, it's nosferatu versus invasion of the body snatchers and i expected invasion of the body snatchers to take it not that i dislike nosferatu i love it and that's what i voted for but i didn't expect invasion of the body snatchers to lose by one vote yeah i voted for nosferatu also and it, and like you were saying i thought invasion of the body snatchers would win but i'm so happy a silent movie is advancing yes. into the next round yes and out of all the silent movies, this, this this is my favorite horror film, silent movie. I'd put it right up there. I would put it right up there for sure. Okay, yeah, actually, I think it is my favorite horror film, silent film. Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, we know. You don't. Yeah, yeah we know who your favorite horror film is of all time. No, no. Sheer stark terror grips you in underwater 3D in Creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, it's, it's it's okay. But now I want to take that film. And at you know, run it through my system here, get some filters added to it, take out all the audio and put a bunch of title cards in so I can watch Creature from the Black Lagoon as a silent film. I think that'd be fun. That would be. That would be interesting. Certain films I think can that, that can happen with, I think. So and uh, it would be interesting, you know, like I said, to see how that um goes for I think you were talking about Metropolis recently and how they had one person added sound into it. Right. You know, it changes the experience. <laughs> hey, let's get back to what we're talking about here though, the matchups. Next matchup, the Wolfman versus the Blob. Oof! I knew it was going to go this way. I I knew the Wolfman was going to take it, but the Blob is a heck of a lot of fun, and I'm a little surprised it didn't show better. I agree with you. I thought the Wolfman would win, and I thought the Blob would have a better showing. But it just goes that Lon Chaney Jr. is just so awesome as an actor, and that in that particular role, showing the pathos and everything else going through it. Oh yeah, yeah. So the Wolfman is going through. And the next matchup will determine its opponent. And the next matchup is interesting. It's Classic Universal versus Classic Hammer. It was a neat way to break that down. Now, of course, Classic Universal took it. We're talking about the Mummy versus the Brides of Dracula. The way the results went, it was like the Mummy was the Hammer, the Brides of Dracula. I mean, it, it's just it took them right out. How long have you been waiting on that? Uh, just, just like 30 seconds. <laughs> when you introduced the oh, film. Oh, okay, okay. I, All right. I, I don't, this is not scripted. <laughs> <laughs> what's well, the script on my end. i mean you know you, 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 you just told me to make you look good or sound good so it's <laughs> all right next division the southern division the, the only matchup you care about well it's not like i campaigned for it or anything <laughs> <laughs> you never did any of that last episode absolutely not creature from the black lagoon versus the fly and creature took it Almost 75% of the vote. I am surprised the fly didn't have a stronger showing here. I mean, yes, Vincent Price is in the fly, but I think because he's a supporting character, that hurt the fly 
in in the voting. You know, where I think if it sure. been, when if Vincent Price would have been the star of it, it might have. I still think Creature would have won, but it would have been a lot closer of a vote. Okay, it's hard. It's hard. It, it takes a special movie to knock off Creature from the Black Lagoon. Is there a special movie in this tournament or not? We'll find out. And the next matchup is fun too. It's Frankenstein versus Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman versus the Curse of Frankenstein. Did this go the way you thought it would? It did, and I was surprised by the amount of the Frankenstein meets the Wolfman beat the Curse of Frankenstein. And I think it's just showing that there's more love overall for Universal than there is for Hammer with the voters. I think so. And I know there are listeners out there and previous guests of Monster Kid Radio who prefer Hammer to Universal. And I get that, and I respect that, and I love my Hammer films. However... <laughs> you knew there was a butt coming, right? But Universal movies, the Universal horror classics are, for lack of a better term, universal. They can be watched by anybody. There's nothing in there that's going to make somebody say, I don't know if I really want to watch this. Whereas the Hammer films, there's the blood element. There's the cleavage element, which sometimes can be a turnoff for people when it comes to watching some of these movies. Not for me necessarily, because I respect the Hammer movies on a different level, but you know, I think the Universal movies are a little bit more universally accessible to Monster Kids. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure you're just holding on that one, Universal, universally, you know. You're, well. <laughs> <laughs> you had that written down, I must say it this way. <laughs> I, I, I I didn't plan that. It just happened. I know I know. Um, <laughs> Joshua Kennedy is, sh- is shedding some tears that so many Hammer films are dropping. And I can say to Mr. Kennedy, I lost a lot of kaiju these first two rounds of the tournament. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. Well, the next round, original Dracula versus Harryhausen, 20 million miles to Earth. And I knew it would go this way. I knew Dracula would win. And I'm not surprised by the showing here. I'm not surprised by the percentage of votes here. I expected Dracula to win. I did vote for 20 million miles to Earth. But I thought mm-hmm. Dracula was going to win by more than it did. It had 65 or 66% of the vote. But I actually expected it to have a bigger win because it being such a classic with a lot of the listeners. I expected it to be in the 70s. I thought it was going to be like the Bride of Frankenstein Frankenstein percentage. I thought it was going to have a bigger win, which makes me wonder um, the legs for in the future. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm just just throwing it out there. Well, speaking of the future, uh, we're about to announce what the next Contender, I guess, would be who's going to take on Dracula. We have the final matchup in the Southern Division. Horror of Dracula versus Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Hammer versus Kaiju. Steve Turek versus Joshua Kennedy. <laughs> and as I said with Kyle, yeah, my favorite Godzilla movie is Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. And it's gone. And yes, I know, Mr. Yant, the invasion... The, the Astro Monster is also going. So I know your one of your your favorites gone also. It's a great film. It is a great film, and it was coming back. It, this was actually way more of a blowout than it was than yeah. it ended up being. But I think what happened, Horror of Dracula put in the B Squad, and uh, mm. the get the the Gidra Squad stayed in there, made it closer. But it's still Horror of Dracula won easily, which leads us to our dream matchup for the next round. And then we'll talk about that here. Uh, let's go back to the East Division, though, and talk about what the matchups are going to look like. I'm curious about some of them, how it's going to turn out. What do we got? Well, in the first matchup, to decide who gets to the Evil Eight. The Evil Eight, is that what we're calling it? I like it. Uh, I'm uh, going to write that down. <laughs> the Evil Eight, we have um, King Kong 
versus the Invisible Man. Wow. Now, if the Invisible Man stays invisible, he might have a chance against King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm trying to look for hope here, you know, but we, you got a you know, classic universe. I think this is, is this the first time King Kong's going against a universal monster? Uh, it, it might be. I'd have to go in and double check, but I mean... <sighs> Against the Invisible Man, I don't know if he's got if if King Kong has to worry. Uh, if it was against something like Frankenstein or Dracula, then or the Wolfman, then maybe there'd be some worry here. But it's the Invisible Man, and for the same reasons that I was lamenting earlier that it doesn't get enough attention, I feel like it's going to lose against King Kong. Now, King Kong was from RKO Pictures, right? Correct. So you're calling for King Kong to KO the Invisible Man? I I am. Oh boy. Yeah. Well. They can't all be winners. I said that last episode, too. At least I'm always trying. Oh, my Lord. I know which one's going to be a tight matchup now. Oh, my God. Which people, one? The next one? Oh, yeah. People are going to hate us. Yeah. It's uh, the thing from another world versus them. Oh, um, I, I, I don't know how to call this one. I mean, you're I talking mean about. Me either. <laughs> on, our, on our top 100 ranking, you're talking about number eight, the thing from another world versus number nine, them. Yeah, number eight seed versus number nine seed, and I have no idea. Oh, man. And, oh, oh. I, <laughs> I, think I think you and I did a lot of this last time. because And, and, and I know I, I was having comments. I've been Facebooking some of the people and doing commentary or comments with them. And people were like, this was so tough. You made me pick between this one and that one. And I, think, I feel your pain. I think in the, in the audio, they can feel our pain. Yeah. I'm going to go with the thing from another world. Um, I'm going to go with them. Well, we split our vote. Now it's already tied. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? <laughs> and but the reason is I'm, I'm going with the thing from another world is I've always loved that movie. And sure. And then I think it was Jeff Bowens that said it when we did our expert reviews early on that the thing from another world led to John Carpenter's The Thing, which some people argue one of the best horror films of all time. So, I mean, it, it had some legs. Gotcha. You know, so to speak. And them, I mean, it was the start of the giant bug move. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I could talk myself right back into them. Uh, right. That's the thing, right? Well, let's have some more pain. <laughs> What's the next round look like or the next <laughs> matchup coming up? Frankenstein from 1931. Oof. Against Mothra versus Godzilla. Are you going to do Mothra versus Godzilla just because it's Godzilla over Frankenstein? We're talking favorites. And that's true. And okay. I stick in Mothra versus Godzilla. If I had a choice between the two, odds are I'm going for the Mothra versus Godzilla disc. Okay. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not, again, like we said to people, it's not like we're saying we don't like these other movies. Mm -hmm. It's just. What's the favorite? And, and uh, my favorite is is what kind of mood I'm in at that time. But typically, I'm usually in a let's stick in a Godzilla movie mood. I think in terms of just sheer fun, yes, I, I agree with you. Mothra versus Godzilla. It's an easier buy-in. It's an easier sell. You can pop it in whenever. Whereas as much as I love the classic universals, I do feel like sometimes you have to be in the right mood for it. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to go with that. I, I suspect Frankenstein's going to win just because of what it is, but I don't know where I'm going to vote. I agree with you. I think Frankenstein will win. It's going to be an interesting matchup to see to see how the voters go because there's yeah for those that like kaiju movies there's there's not many kaiju left yeah it's true that's true and there are a lot of movies of name frankenstein 
I can guarantee there'll be one less movie with this next matchup. <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein against Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Man. The only comedy is still alive. And Bride of Frankenstein has a lot of laughs and humor in it, too. So it's kind of interesting. It's a different sense of humor. But yeah, you're right. I'm voting for Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I think Bride's going to win. But I'm going to give Abbott and Costello as many votes as I can, which is one. To give them their chance oh, to, man. because also also it has virtually you know all the Universal monsters are in there. Why not? Yeah, I think maybe that's where I would end up going as well. Even though in terms of like sheer filmmaking quality, Bride of Frankenstein, I feel like is a better film. It takes more chances. It's a lot quirkier. It's a little bit more true to the director's vision. I feel like there's a distinct vision. However, in terms of just sheer fun, number of monsters, and what are you going to put in when you're in the mood for a, a good horror comedy? I've been Costello meet Frankenstein, so that's how I'm going to go as well. I mean, like I said, every time I'm sad, out of the movies that are on this list, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein always puts a smile on my face. Exactly. Oh, oh boy, the next a, one. This is a very interesting matchup. Godzilla versus Nosferatu. I have no idea how that's going to turn out. No I clue. Never, I never thought Nosferatu would be going against Godzilla, so this is very mm -hmm. interesting. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I have no clue. Being that Nosferatu has barely been advancing each round, I think Godzilla will win name recognition and voters and stuff like that. But this, this, this is, this is a tough matchup for voters. You're right about Nosferatu always just kind of squeaking by or not since it's a silent film, but it's always kind of sneaking by. It's silent, but deadly. Oh boy. Really? Well, I don't think it's going to get me on this round. So I had to no, use it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Godzilla is going to take this one easily. Ooh, the next one. The Wolfman and The Mummy, two universal classics, man. I think this is going to be very, very close. And they both won by the exact percentage, exact same percentage against their matchups. Oh, yeah. With 67% of the vote each over their respective movies. This is a tough one. You know, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr., mm, mm, a 1930s universal versus the 1940s universal. Different sensibility, for sure. Another tight matchup. You and I will be arguing about how we're going to do a tiebreaker. Uh, probably, right? I, I could tell you a movie now, but I, by the time I vote, I could go totally different. Right now, I'm leaning towards The Mummy. I've always liked The Mummy movies a little better than The Wolfman movies. Growing up, when I was watching, you know, if I had a choice between the channel, like which one I wanted to watch. But I, I like I said, by the time we vote, I could totally go the opposite way. Yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> Only The Mummy no, yeah. had silver linings. <laughs> silver linens wrapped around it then it would be so easy to pick well the next one oh boy this is my my bracket creature from the black lagoon versus frankenstein meets the wolfman again two universals two different universal styles 40s versus 50s you know where i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna go for creature from the black lagoon because that is the film but will the listeners this is will you <laughs> Well, I added these two. I'm voting for Creature. I enjoy that movie more than I enjoy Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But as you just said, the key thing is which way the listeners will go. Mm -hmm. I think this is this obviously is Creature's toughest challenge, you know, going through in this matchup because you got Frankenstein and the Wolfman, yeah, against Creature. Uh, two for against a one. Jeez, mm, it would have been great if Creature would have been in these rally movies. You know, I wish there was. I wish there was a way to go back and make that happen. But, well, if that one's tough, <laughs> our final matchup. Oh, boy. Dracula versus Dracula. 
finally, we're going to have an answer to the Lugosi versus Lee uh, question. Yeah, Dracula versus Horror of Dracula, or Dracula, depending on which side of the ocean you're on. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, what side of the pond you're on. Uh-huh. Uh, we know where Joshua Kennedy's voting. Yeah. I would have thought this, going into this tournament, when I saw this mm-hmm. possible matchup, I was thinking this would be a very close matchup if these two went against each other. But seeing how Universal Films have been annihilating Hammer Films, for the most part, especially the classic Universal movies, I've got a feeling Dracula is going to win this one. And I'm projecting that Dracula will have at least 65% of the vote. I don't think it's going to be close. I'm hoping it'll be close because be, it makes it more interesting. And really, this is a tough matchup because Belvacos is the classic incarnation of Dracula. When everybody thinks Dracula, they think Bela Lugosi. Sure. Horror of Dracula has the best Von Helsing. Yeah, that that is very true. So, In my hmm. opinion. But it's not called Horror of Von Helsing. <laughs> Von Helsing. It's called Horror of Dracula. Although I'd watch that movie in a minute. <laughs> you would watch a movie called Van Helsing in a minute? The, the Horror of Van Helsing. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't want to watch the other movie. <laughs> Not going to go there. I know there are some fans of that in the audience, and uh, my typical response to that movie is probably not appropriate. Well, so I mean, I enjoyed that movie. It was just the Van Helsing movie, but it's just not. It doesn't hold a candle to these other movies we're talking about. But then you have Christopher Lee's physical, almost animalistic portrayal of Dracula. Oh yeah, it's two different styles of Dracula for sure. I'm right now leaning towards horror of Dracula just because. Oh, for the love of God, I want to see a Cushing Lee get into the Evil Eight. I mean, it, it's it's. I was, okay. I was hoping it would have been one of the other ones that got through because there were so many. But I was hoping for Curse of Frankenstein or whatever. But the last, this is this is it for them. Okay. This is right. This is the last Cushing Lee film. I think Dracula's going to win. I, I, the original, the Lugosi film, I think will take it. I really do. But I'm real curious to see how it plays out. Well, like I said, I think Dracula's going to win with 65% of the vote. Well, we'll see how it turns out. Again, tinyurl.com slash madness 2019 and there will be a link in the show notes. I'm not going to set a due date, uh, cutoff date yet. Uh, I'll do that once I get this episode edited and uploaded, then I can figure that out. But head over there to cast your votes for what movies you think are going to win the Evil 8 section or uh, round, I guess, of this tournament. That's that's what it is, right? The yeah, round. We got to see who's going to advance to the Evil 8. Because uh, remember, vote. Tell your friends to vote. Share the link to get people to vote. I know I've been sharing. I know a few of you guys out there have been sharing the link on Facebook. Uh, we need more people to, to share the link because, I mean, your favorite movie can lose by one vote. A couple just went down and my road end died because got knocked off by two votes or three votes you know it's just it's a sad day in kaiju land our planet may be doomed our earth devastated the monsters are in revolt and civilization is in chaos godzilla is laying waste to new york rodan is attacking moscow manda is smashing london and peking trembles under the wrath of mafra our battle cry must be destroy all monsters who can say which country or city will be next we must unite and destroy all monsters is there a way to defend against godzilla rodan manda and mafra the answer is no let our battle cry be destroy all monsters 
Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 Have you heard? Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story. Either a whole short story or a novel, a chapter or two at a time. Join us for our exploration of old ghost stories, supernatural fiction, horror tales, folk tales, fantasy, gothic horror, weird fiction, and cosmic horror. And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales. Part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. Oh, he's all new with gleaming fangs just for you. Dracula, A.D. 1972. Drac is back, and this time he'll really knock those bats out of your belfry. Dracula, into a new scene, beating up on the now generation with a kiss that leaves them screaming, and not for more. Dracula, A.D. 1972. Dig it before they bury him again. Plus, for all you lovers of the macabre, it's crescendo. The highest pitch of terror you can reach. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing star in Dracula, A.D. 1972. James Olsen and Stephanie Powers star in Crescendo. Both masterworks of chilling horror and suspense from Warner Brothers. Rated PG. Rental guidance suggested. You know, for a show that's called Monster Kid Radio, I don't play a lot of music throughout the course of the show. So it's not really like a traditional radio station, but let's change it up a little bit this week. First of all, I want to tell you a little bit about some upcoming shows from the Surferific Dudes. They're the ones that played the opening song, Brawler, from their new album, Sharks and Tuxedos. Anyway, according to their website at surferific.com, they've got some shows coming up later this month. On May 17th, they're going to be playing at Jimmy's on the James in Lynchburg, Virginia. Also in Lynchburg on the 18th, they'll be playing at 5th and Federal. In Virginia Beach on May 19th, they'll be playing at B3, Beer and Bourbon at the Brick House. And then finally, back in Lynchburg on May 31st, they'll be playing at the Clubhouse Bar and Billiards. You can find all of this on their website. Again, that's surferific.com slash upcoming dash events. Check them out. And if you're in the area, drop by. Tell them that you heard about them here on MKR. Before we move on to the luchador-flavored segment of this episode, I'm going to go ahead and play some music to help get us in the mood. First, we're going to hear the song El Santo, the Silver Masked Avenger, from the band The Nick Adams. It's from their album In the 25th Century. And then we're going to play the song Lucha Libre from the band The Dead Elvi. And that is from their album A Taste of Blood. Over the years, they've given me permission to play their music here on the show. Look them up and give them a little bit of support and way of thank you. And uh, enjoy the songs. And next time you hear from me, I'll be at last week's Weird Wednesday. But that'll be after Kenny's Famous Monsters of Film Line segment and Dr. Tongue.
Show presents Dr. Tongue's World of Monster Collectibles! Spanning the globe looking for monster goo so you don't have to! In this corner, weighing in at almost 215 pounds from parts unknown, Mark Dr. Tongue Peterson! try to keep this segment short and sweet just due to the fact that I've been really super busy and haven't found a lot of new stuff to report on. I'm going to assume that you all are aware of what crowdfunding is, Kickstarter, Indiegogo and the sort. I stumbled upon a campaign on Kickstarter that is right up MKR listeners alley. A couple of inventive fellows under the company name Hop Toys, hooked on plastic I believe, have successfully funded a 12 inch vinyl figure of the bullet armored alien from Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Never thought I'd see this. The figures look really great and going to be priced affordably. The alien even comes with a removable helmet so you can see how wimpy those extraterrestrials really are without all their advanced weaponry. But here's the catch, and I'm sure you're gonna be saying, why the heck did you tell us this? By the time you hear this, the hop campaign had already ended. But there are extra figures being made and will be sold once they are produced sometime in August. And here's why I told you this. Hop Toys has already shown CAD drawings for their next project, the James Arness alien from Howard Hawks' Thing from Another World. They also have plans for several other 50s-based sci-fi monster figures. Check it out. Seeing that it's Lucha de Mayo month here at MKR, and this next artist I'm going to introduce you to is head over heels in love with this genre. He's an avid collector of Lucha Libre movie posters, lobby cards and posters and such. And the reason I'm spotlighting him this time, he's the maker of some amazing critters. And if you love wacky Mexican monster films as much as I do, you will surely love these. Paul Shiola, better known as Sputnik Supplies, has made his own interpretations of some of Mexi Cinema's goofier characters from years gone by. I know I have at least mentioned the following film a couple of times on MKR, but Sputnik Supplies has made a few three of the monsters from the 1960 classic La Nave de los Monstruos. I'm sorry if I butchered that. It's simply known as Ship of Monsters. On his site you will find the hulking Cyclops Uck, the brainy little Tegula, regrettably this figure is now out of production, and the spidery Carassus. On a side note, two of those, Uck and Tag, appeared years later in Santo and the Blue Demon vs. the Monsters. One south of the border offering on the Sputnik Supply website does include a 9-inch figure of the Baron of Terror himself, the Brainiac. Not in the mood for Mexican? How about a stylized version of the Roman from Robot Monster holding the Earth on a silver platter? Or a voluptuous figure of Kitten Natavidad from the film Double D Avenger. And while there, take a look at some of Paul's work in the gallery. I'm sure you will recognize some of those. These are all located on his website at sputniksupplies.com. Head on over and wish Paul a hearty Arriba from the doctor. You say the word Aurora to a monster kid, and what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Monster model kits, of course. Those hard styrene plastic models of yesteryear were ingrained into the monster kid culture, starting in 1962 with the introduction of the Frankenstein monster. 
With reproductions and old kits still making the collector's rounds, these kits are still as popular today as they were 50 plus years ago. Now, in the model collecting community and the Monster Kid universe, there is one kit that stands out on its own in sheer size and awesomeness. -ess -ess. Is that a word? Well, it is now. The Big Frankie model kit was an amazing piece of plastic engineering. When assembled, the kit stood almost two feet tall. Now, this is not your everyday run-of-the-mill Frankie. Mm, it's a little on the, how do I want to put this, stumpy side? It was as if someone took a regular Frankenstein monster and put him in a rather large vise and just squished him down. The gigantic Frankenstein, designed by toy genius Marvin Glass, was originally supposed to be an actual toy figure, but Aurora, I'm guessing based on their model line selling so well, kind of got gold feet and decided to put it out as an all-plastic assembly kit. It hit the shelves in late 64 and lasted about a year, ceasing production in 65, as it wasn't selling very well. At a whopping $4.98 price point, it was the most expensive and largest kit in the model line. And unlike the majority of the Aurora Monster models, it was never re-released or spoken of by the company again. Uh, okay, well, I really can't say that truthfully. Fast forward to the late 90s, early 2000s. Out of Japan, a slightly smaller, by an inch or two, version of Big Frankie was produced in vinyl. And it's all there, fully colored, the rock, chain, it was all unleashed upon the world. I don't have any manufacturing details on who made it, but I can assure you it exists, and it is very super cool. But wait kids, there's more! Fast forward again to 2009. Might be rewind to 2009? It's 2019? Anyway, the model company Mobius, known for their reissues of classic model kits, released their version of the gigantic Frankenstein. They reverse engineered it based off an original kit, because I'm guessing the original molds no longer exist at this point. This is as close to an original as you can get in the box, but at a price point of around $110. But that beats out what you'll have to shell out for just the figure of an original. Those are highly desirable and expensive on the collector's market. Oh, and by the way, if anybody out there has an extra rock, I'm looking for one. Got any sneak peeks of monster merchandise coming out soon? Drop Derek a line and he'll forward it along to me here at MKR. The winner and still MKR Monster Collectible Champion, DuckDuckTone! Until next time. Oh yeah, I'm dropping this segment like a bad habit. This is Mark Dr. Tongue Peterson saying happy monster collecting, everybody. I'm out. Peace. Trapped. 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 <laughs> They're traps in a whirlpool of shrieking fear from the most fiendish idea ever conceived by the human brain. The Brainiac! And it has a friend. She was beautiful, desirable, and not altogether human. The curse of the crying women. Together they will trap you in a world of horror. But if you live through it, 
never forget. The Brainiac and the Curse of the Crying Women. How much shot can you take? From the depths of evil comes the diabolic killer of beautiful women, the Vampire's Coffin. See a vampire's body stolen from its tomb. A psycho killer removes the stake so the vampire can again prey on beautiful women. And to complete a double night of horror, a monstrous nightmare of terror turned loose in a fight to the death. The robot versus the Aztec mummy. They will bring you a night of terror. Them, but don't come alone. The Vampire Coffin in an all-new double horrorama show with the robot versus the Aztec mummy. Presented in hypnoscope. To heighten the horror, shock your senses, chill your brain. It could only be shown at midnight. Hola, cabezones de Radio de los Niños Monstruos. Soy Kenny con un vistazo a monstruos famosos de la tierra del cine. To celebrate Lucha de Mayo, we are going to look at a four-part series featured in Famous Monsters 121, 122, 124, and 125, which all came out in 1976, entitled Monsters from Mexico, Terror from Below the Border, which was written by Walt Lee. The editor introduced the first article with these comments. Godzilla and Company, you entreated us to show you all the terrors from Tokyo, the nightmares from Nagasaki, the horrors from Hiroshima, and we did in issue 114. We covered Mad Labs for you at your request. At your behest, have done our best on Lugosi, Lon Sr. and Jr., Lee Cushing, We've gone to bat on vampires and our metal has been tested on our coverage of robots. Now, in a two or possibly even three-part feature that will be referred to for years to come as the definitive Mexican monster movie guide, we bring you the results of 20 years of research by the celebrated creator of the legendary reference guide to fantastic films, Walt Lee himself. Walt takes over and briefly mentions the 1934 Phantom of the Convent, which will be featured at the 2019 Summer Monster Bash, and 1952's The Resurrected Body, before giving a full synopsis of the first luchador monster movie from 1956, The Body Snatcher. He then continues with a look at the Nostradamus series, which was a Mexican serial that was converted into a four-film series which features Herman Robles as Nostradamus, who is a vampire, not a prophet. 
Before the next synopsis, Walt had this to say about Mexican monsters. Many of the monsters in Mexican horror films of the last dozen years or so have been patterned after characters in the Universal films. In many cases, the mask made by Don Post based on Universal's monsters have been used with various additions to complete the costume. Sometimes the names of the characters have been slightly altered. For example, the Frankenstein monster has been called Frentenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein with a Q-E, and Frankenstein. He next reviews the film Frankenstein, The Vampire and Company, which is an unofficial remake of Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. He continues with a brief look at 1962's Macabre Path, which features vampires, 1964's Adventure at the Center of the Earth, and from 1966, Dinosaur Island, which features footage borrowed from Hal Roach's 1 Million BC. And that ends the first part of the series, a nine-page article with 16 photos. Hasta luego, amigos! Osmium Entertainment presents Neil Mascaras vs. the Aztec Mummy. Neil Mascaras is Mexico's most recognized cultural ambassador around the world. He is an acclaimed artist, humanitarian, and the most influential luchador of all time. Now he makes his cinematic return in the greatest film of its kind ever produced. Neil Mascaras vs. the Aztec Mummy. For the first time, the secrets of the mask are revealed as an Aztec mummy returns from the dead with ambition to conquer the world. Watch as Neil Mascaras confronts unspeakable horrors, fights the temptation of irresistible beauty, and faces his own mortality. Starring Neil Mascaras as himself, Jeffrey Woolman as the Aztec mummy, Kurt Merching as the professor, Willard Hugh as the police chief, Richard Lynch as the president, and introducing Melissa Osborne as Maria. Also see the greatest assembly of luchadores in the history of film with El Hijo del Santo, Blue Damon Jr., Dos Queros, Hurricane Ramirez Jr., Neutron, Argozan, La Torcha, and many more. You will never see another movie like Neil Mascaras vs. The Aztec Mummy. Dr. Tung's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street, vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tung's Toys. gentlemen, boys and girls, monster kids of all ages. My name is Derek M. Cook, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, and luchador movie enthusiast. It is May, and every May here on Monster Kid Radio, we have a tradition. We all put on our luchador masks, we all get our wooden stakes and our silver bullets and our motorcycles and our, our gang of, well, whatever. you know what, bottom line is, it's Lucha de Mayo here at Monster Kid Radio. That means every week in the month of May, we're going to be talking about nothing but Luchador Monster movies. And boy, there are so many of them. You'd think we would have run out by now because we've been doing this every May for the past couple of years. But no, sir. There are so many other Luchador Monster movies to talk about, including uh, the one we're going to be talking about tonight and next week. Coincidentally, and this was not planned, though I'd like to think that somehow Santo is looking down from the heavens and made this happen, we're going to be talking about Santo and Blue Demon versus Dracula and the Wolfman, 
this week because the Joy Cinema is showing it. It's part of their Weird Wednesday event here in Tigard, Oregon. I'm here, I'm outside the Joy Cinema right now, which is why the sound sounds a little different than what you normally hear here on the show. I'm going to introduce the film. I'm excited to get in front of the audience and tell them a little bit more about Luchador Monster Movies, and I'm going to record that as well. You're going to hear that in this episode, and then I know there's going to be at least one semi-regular Monster Kid Radio-er type person here uh, tonight who will be seeing the movie, and I hope to chat with him both beforehand and afterwards to get his thoughts on the film. Of course, if there's anybody else here that I can chat with, I will, because this is the episode this week, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're doing. It's Weird Wednesday. It's Santo, it's Blue Demon, it's Dracula, it's Wolfman. We're going to get into all of that. All right, listeners, I told you that I'd be meeting at least one semi-regular person here, although this guy is far from regular. I mean, <laughs> he, he's, you know, if, if he was, he wouldn't be on the show all this time. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Good to see you, Derek. <laughs> I'm wound up. I don't know why. I, I, feel I know why you're wound up. Why would that be, Jeff? Because we're about to watch a Santo movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so before we started recording, you said that this will be your fourth time? I think this will be my fourth Santo movie. It might only be the third, but I think this is fourth. Okay. Okay. And so what is your impression overall of these Lugador movies? For the most part, I really enjoy them. Uh, I think Santo tries to be a good role model in his movies. The first one I watched especially, which was uh, Santo versus the Martians, I was really impressed like early on, you know, he's coaching like this kid's sports team and it really made him like a hero for the people. And I've just kind of carried that impression forward through the other movies. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that, you know, he's always there to help out authorities. He's kind of the lighter Batman <laughs> as opposed to the Dark Knight. It's funny you say that because when I do my introduction, I'm going to reference Batman and a few others. Yeah. So. so I think this one's in yeah this one's in color. Okay. But you mentioned the invasion of the Mar the Martians, which is in black and white. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer them in black or white or color? I don't know that I have a preference. You okay. know, I, coming here to Weird Wednesday. Uh, it's always a toss-up whether I'm going to be seeing a black-and-white movie or a color movie, and mm. I just accept them for what they are. Okay. Yeah, I suppose, you know, for some of the other Luchadors that may show up, uh, it matters more with their masks, uh, having the color. Santo's mask is always just silver anyway, mm -hmm. so the black and white doesn't really hurt it. It, sure. it, it comes across very, uh, very normal. But yeah, in other, you know, other Luchadors with their very colorful masks, I'm sure having it in color is, is preferable. I think that's probably it. like Mil Mascaris, you know, he's a oh, yeah. man of a thousand masks. Yeah. Uh, he's got a different mask in every scene. And, Pretty much. And yeah, the colors help show it off. Right. Not that I say, I'm not saying I don't like the black and white ones. I just, mm -hmm. I want them loud and in my face. Color, you know? <laughs> You've been doing the Weird Wednesday reports for a while. You've been on the show off and on. Are you currently podcasting anything right now? Are you on any other shows right now? I do a very niche podcast. Tell people uh, about it. Uh, I do a podcast called HeroClix 201. HeroClix is a tabletop game. It's kind of chess with superheroes. Uh, it's a collectible game. So there are, by now, from after 16 years, there's thousands of pieces possible. Um, and I do a podcast about the history of Heroclix. Wow. Yeah, so it's very niche. I mean, even in the Heroclix community, some people <laughs> don't care about this. It's it's a pet project. I, I don't know anything about niche podcasting at all. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I mean, this isn't mainstream what we do? <laughs> uh, compared to what I do, I think it's pretty mainstream. Yeah, well, you know, how do people find it? Heroclix 201 on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook. Okay. I don't think we've ever really talked about it. I know you used to do some other things back in the day, but yeah, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to this. And yeah, I, I used to be part of a Doctor Who podcast, mm -hmm. but uh, the, the rest of the group just reached what they thought was a good stopping point. 
Oh. Hey, the pre-show is starting, yep. so that's a cue for me to turn this off. All right. Jeff, I want to catch up with you after the movie, man. Will do. All right. You know, I just mentioned the pre-show to Jeff. I don't know if we've really talked about this here on the show every time I've done a Weird Wednesday uh, screening or introduction or put it on the podcast. Basically, uh, Jeff Punk Rock Martin, the man who runs this show, puts together a uh, DVD of trailers, uh, short clips, music videos, that sort of thing. And that's what we normally see leading up to Weird Wednesday. Kind of puts you in the mood, you know? Uh, even though he did just start one here, the disc is having problems. So uh, we're still here in the dark, uh, in the quiet, before the Luchador storm. And uh, yeah, I just thought I'd pop in and let people know what the pre-show is like. I typically don't record it because really, how much fun is it to... Yeah. Anyway, here we go. Pre-show's back. <laughs> Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Pre-show is over. And Jeff is about to introduce the Joy Cinema. Jeff Punkrock Martin, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema and Pub. Let's hear it for you guys. Yes. That's more than I got tonight, right? Anyway, anyway, let me see. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, this Friday, before we get into anything, oh, yeah. this Friday, on this screen, we're gonna we're, we're starting a, a week of a great movie. Alfred Hitchcock, Strangers on a Train. Let's hear it for Alfred Hitchcock and Strangers on a Train. Next week, on this screen, we're going to have Mr. Vincent Price. Let's hear it for Vincent Price. In the House on Haunted Hill. Let's hear it for the House on Haunted Hill. Yes. Okay. Now, this is where things really pick up and really get better because there's a man in the house, and he knows more about horror movies than any of us, all of us put together, in fact, in this room. He is the host of the podcast Monster Kid Radio, which is a great show, and you all should listen to it. Do you guys listen to it? Yes, Monster Kid Radio. Yes, some fans. Listen to it. Let's hear it first for Monster Kid Radio, please. Big round of applause. 
He's an excellent friend of the Joy Cinema. He's my pal. He knows more about Santo movies, again, than anyone. And he is geek brother number one. Please give a gigantic Joy Cinema round of applause, if you will, to the one and the only Mr. Derek M. Cook. Here he is. He's going to get up here. Keep the applause going. Right up here. Thanks, Derek. Big thanks to Jeff for that praise. I don't know if it's warranted. I don't know all there is to know about Santo movies. I'm just a huge fan of these movies. But first, I want to mention Monster Kid Radio. Like he said, I am the producer, the host, the writer, the editor, the guy who sits around and edits till like 3 o'clock in the morning, getting this podcast ready for everybody. It comes out every week. You can find it at monsterkidradio.net. And every week, you can expect to hear me talk about a classic or maybe sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I love classic monster movies. And that comes through on the show with me and all of my guests. We've got over 400 episodes in the archives to check out. Again, it's monsterkidradio.net, and I've got business cards in the lobby if you are interested in checking it out. I hope you do. But next, excuse me, we're going to talk about the movie that we're watching tonight. Uh, this would not typically fall within the Monster Kid Radio wheelhouse. I typically go up through the mid-60s or so. This one came out in 1973, but it's got luchadors, which I love, and it's got monsters, so it's got a home at Monster Kid Radio as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I don't think this was planned, but every May on my podcast, we switch it up. We're not just Monster Kid Radio. We are celebrating Lucha de Mayo. Mayo. Lucha de I get it wrong every damn time. Anyway, what we do on our podcast is talk about nothing but Luchador monster movies through the month of May, and this is one of them. Uh, this movie, Santo, Blue Demon, Dracula, Wolfman. Who do you think is going to win? Godzilla. Did somebody just say Godzilla? <laughs> wow. Now, I know that a lot of us... Uh, are really excited about another movie that's coming out here in a couple of days uh, that features a bunch of heroes banding together and doing something uh, kind of in this shared cinematic universe. And that's fine and all. But, you know, in that movie, in the Avengers film and the Marvel stuff, they've only been doing it for 10 years, right? Santo, Blue Demon, these guys were a shared cinematic universe and they were doing it back in the 60s. Now, I'm not saying Marvel got their idea from Santo and Blue Demon, but, you know. Yeah, they, they, they were heroes, too, and, and, and literally, they were treated as heroes, as superheroes, by the Mexican public. How many of you have seen a luchador movie before? Oh, good. So a good handful of you. For those of you who have not, man, you are in for a treat. This phenomenon was unique to Mexico. Uh, they took their love of luchador wrestling, wrestlers with masks, and it bled into all different aspects of pop culture, whether it's comic books or, or the films like we see here. Uh, Santo, Blue Demon, and then there's a third one, Mil Mascaris, are oftentimes considered the, the three musketeers of luchador monster movies. They're the big guns, the big guys, but there were dozens of them, uh, if not hundreds, of luchadors appearing in movies like this. I think the best way to describe Santo is uh, you could call him the luchador Superman. You know, he's good, he's, he's the hero of the people. And then Blue Demon is probably the luchador Batman. A little bit more gritty, you know, the, the edges aren't nearly as smooth around this guy. And they team up and they make a great team. Now, Santo, Blue Demon, all these luchadors, they fought everything from criminal masterminds, cowboys, Martians, vampires, vampire brides, Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein's grandson, Frankenstein's daughter, uh, Dr. Frankenstein, uh, the Phantom of the Opera, a strangler or two along the way, some spies. They did it all in all of these films. They are so much fun to watch. This is a world, this film takes place in a world in which these heroes walk around with their masks 
and it's totally accepted. Now that would not fly today, especially if you're trying to travel. But these guys, they walk around in their, they wear their masks 24 seven, it's their identity. They go out on dates, they got their mask on. They're gonna go swimming, they got the trunks, but they got their mask on. It's a big deal. This is who they are, they are the mask. So when you see a movie featuring Santo, you're seeing a hero. And this film, oh boy. Has anybody seen this one before? Man, okay. I'm not gonna ruin anything. Not that there's a really deep plot to really ruin, but this is not the only time Santo and Blue Demon fought Dracula or a Wolfman. However, the Wolfman in this movie probably has the best costume that any Wolfman in any film in any cinematic universe has ever worn. Convince me I'm wrong after the movie, if, if you don't agree with me. And the Dracula in this, he is smooth, he is charismatic, he is the man. This is the second time he played Dracula in one of these movies. It's fantastic. You know, I could gush on and on and on about these Luchador monster movies. You know, there are so many, they made them up through the 80s, and man, I'd say there's probably a good hundred or so of these films. And if you like this one, I highly recommend you tell Jeff on the way out that you loved it on the off chance that he wants to bring in some more. And uh, I'll try not to ruin the experience by introducing it every time. My name is Derek M. Cook. I really enjoy this film and I enjoy the Joy Cinema and Weird Wednesday and you guys and gals. Give it up for Jeff real quick one more time up in the projection booth. Let him hear it. I'm gonna get out of the way so we can get to what you really came here to see and that's a bunch of buff guys wearing masks. God, I love the music. So that was the movie. What did you think? Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah? That was great. Favorite part? You know, I think my favorite part was Lena coming to the rescue. Oh, the forklift? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, some of the Blue Demon were cornered by some uh, mafia types. Uh, about to get their mask removed and Lena comes in knocks over some stuff with a forklift and uh, starts off the Donnybrook so before that happened they were threatening to throw Santo and Blue Demon into the garbage burning oven oh yeah <laughs> I was like what yeah that wouldn't fly in a wrestling match uh, elaborate death trap yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention that there is a lot of wrestling in this movie well, there in all the Santa movies I've seen, uh, I was actually a little disappointed in this one because the other Santa movies I've seen have used footage from actual yeah. matches. Yeah. And this was clearly on a set. It was staged. A lot of this movie was clearly on a set. Oh, yes. Staged. All the yeah. outdoor stuff with the with the dark blue backgrounds. But but especially yeah. the, the, the wrestling scenes. Yeah. And when, the first time I saw this, I, I saw that happen. And, you know, you hear the crowd. So you're like, okay. Like, well, yeah, but it's just, it's canned crowds. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I feel like the very end, that wrestling match went on way too long. It just stretched out. I mean, I think Peter Jackson took inspiration for this for... Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Now I want to see Lord of the Rings with luchadors. How amazing would that be? Oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you were talking about uh, Batman in your, in your introduction. Yeah. There were times when the bad guys were on scene and I felt like the, the 
camera should have been at a Dutch tilt. <laughs> <laughs> Little Dutch angle action. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I just, there's something about these movies that are just magical to me. The, the way that, I mean, the color, you know, I mentioned the color, the garish colors earlier, and, and maybe this one isn't as garish as the others, but as some of the others, but there's just like this bright, four color comic book feel to so much of it mm-hmm. and and i just love that aesthetic um there's just something about it that speaks to me on a real weird primal level which i don't know what that says about me but well and yet uh from a storyline point of view it was surprisingly dark at points yeah the uh it's funny because i had been whispering to jj that maybe our daughter would enjoy watching this you know she's learning a little bit of spanish in school she likes watching movies at home with the spanish language track on and i thought hey you know a superhero and then they execute the professor and it's really bloody surprisingly so there's a lot of blood um when the hunchback takes the dagger Mm -hmm. i didn't catch it the first time i saw it maybe it was because it was on the big screen and i caught it this time but when the dagger goes into him you see the blood coming out. It yeah. pours out of him. It's yeah. not just, let's put some red on the shirt and call it good. And I did not notice that the first time I saw this. Um, and just the idea that they're going to kill the kid. That's pretty dark. Well, and and she does lose her grandfather and her mother. Yeah. Uh, I really expected uh, when, when they defeat Dracula and the Wolfman that the others that had been enthralled to be miraculously recovered and returned to human and that doesn't happen nope no, no. Just, yeah there's a few things in here that you know the, the the typical werewolf mythology doesn't quite follow you know a spear kills them apparently yeah yeah or or a, a, a spike pit so no silver at all which is played up in other films there's mm-hmm. a santo versus werewolves where the silver mask well, is you know. yeah maybe that's the point you know it was a spear but it was thrown by someone with a silver mask uh is that it yeah is that it? okay something to keep in mind the dagger <laughs> i i really like the dagger um i want to do something with that dagger i don't know what like stab it out and put in a D game or something i don't know there's something cool about it uh, I need to learn more about that dagger. That um, it seemed to have a little bit of, mind, of a mind of its own. Yeah. Uh, reminding me of the dagger from the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, just overall, I, I just had... Did you have a good time watching it? Oh, yeah. Right on. Right on. I'm so glad. Um, you think we can get Jeff to bring in more? The drummer? Yeah, I really do think we can. You know, and Jeff is sometimes... He's a little reluctant to show stuff with subtitles. Mm-hmm. But as I've told him before, I, I'm more than willing to sit here and watch a movie in subtitles. And I actually kind of prefer it because I'm actually hearing the actors' voices. Yeah, you were saying that earlier. There, yeah. It's a different kind of engagement with the mm-hmm. film. And I think it does ask something different of the uh, audience. Especially on a weird Wednesday setting where... They're making most of the money off alcohol sales. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was talking to him uh, after my introduction. I went and I talked to him for a bit. And I'm going to do some digging around and see if I can find anything else that's uh, you know, available for him to show. Uh, we really want to get meet the mon- versus the monsters. Meet the monsters. <laughs> versus the monsters. That'd be fun. But, uh, man, I do want to see Luchador, Lord of the Rings now. I'm going to drive home thinking about that. That would be fantastic. 
Anyway, man, thanks for doing this uh, and appearing on the show kind of impromptu. We haven't had you on a weird Wednesday report lately, but... Well, it's because you and I keep showing up at the same I shows. I know, yeah. right? That's what I'm about to say, But you're always welcome to call those in. Are you going to be here next week when he does House on Haunted Hill? Oh, yeah, that's a genuine classic. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, the last time I saw that was on the big screen at the Hollywood, and... Um, seeing it on the big screen i ended up getting a seat in the very front row because the place was full and uh there were some things that i noticed in that movie that i've never noticed before just the way castle kind of put the shots together this is a luchador episode i don't know why i'm talking about vincent price film all of a sudden because it's always the right time to talk about vincent price that's true that's true he'd make a lousy luchador though a different episode this week i know i want to thank everybody for checking it out listening to the show sharing it with your friends tweeting about it on facebook and sharing the posts on twitter the other way around anyway i want to thank you for being part of the show this week i hope you enjoyed this slight diversion from what we normally do here on the show especially during lucha de mayo did i get it right i I think i yeah i got it right okay anyway (laughs) Lucha de Mayo, it's one of my favorite times of year here on Monster Kid Radio, and I want to tell you what four films you can expect to hear about the rest of this month. So, in this episode, you heard me introduce the movie Santo and Blue Demon versus Dracula and the Wolfman. Well, I'm going to be talking about that next week with Dr. Tong, with Mark Peterson. He's going to be joining me to discuss and break down that film. Another old friend of the show will be joining me the following week to talk about Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy, and that'll be author Frank Schildener. He's coming back to talk about that. Somebody who hasn't been on the show in a while, the man behind the X Meets Y podcast, Jonathan Inbody, will be joining me to talk about Santo versus Blue Demon in Atlantis, and then the final week of Lucha de Mayo, closing things out with our good friend Kenny. We're going to be talking about a movie called Hellish Spiders. Now, these, of course, are the English titles. I don't speak Spanish, and I have a birth defect in which I cannot roll my R's. So I'm not even going to try. But those will be coming up later this month, and I'll make sure this is available for you to find over on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where you can find everything else you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Everything's there. Our contact information is there. If you have any thoughts or comments about anything that we've talked about this week or in the previous 400-plus episodes, or maybe even my book, or anything else, feel free to give us a call. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR, or you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. There will be links to well, all sorts of things on our website. Amazon links, so you can help support Monster Kid Radio. If you're going to buy any of the things that you've heard about here on the show through Amazon, just click on that link and we get like five cents or whatever it is per transaction because we're an Amazon affiliate. So if you're interested in checking any of that out, head over there and you know help us out. Throw a few pennies our way, of course. There will also be a link to my personal eBay listings because right now I am putting new things up on eBay every two or three days uh, to kind of help with the pay for a hotel room at Monster Bash Fund, uh, since that's coming up in June. So, yeah, if you want to help me out that way and get some cool stuff along the way, that's the way to do it. And, of course, there will be a link to my book as well. There are links to Twitter, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and then a link to the Monster Movie Madness Tournament, which is, of course, tinyurl.com slash mmmadness2019 to vote in the next round of the Monster Movie Madness Tournament. Let's say we need to have all of your votes in by next weekend. Let's say by Sunday the 12th. That'll be the cutoff for the round three ballot. 
Again, special thanks to Jerry Green, to Mark Peterson, and to Kenny for being part of the show this week with their amazing segments. Really appreciate having you as part of the Monster Kid Radio family. And big thanks to Jeff Punkrock Martin from the Joy Cinema for letting me crash the party every time I show up and introduce the films. And thanks to Jeff Pellier, the man behind the Weird Wednesday Report, the man who... I typically run into whenever I go to Weird Wednesday. Speaking of which, uh, by the time this episode goes out, I will probably have seen the latest offering at Weird Wednesday, which will be The House on Haunted Hill. Of course, I'm going to record a little bit there, but I'll probably sit on that recording and release that in June since, you know, the rest of this month, it's all luchadors, baby. Once again, thanks for listening. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Brawler. That belongs to the Surferific Dudes. It's from their new album, Sharks in Tuxedos. Find them at surferific.com or surferificdudes.bandcamp.com or just follow the link in the show notes. Check them out. Pick up the digital album. It's only five bucks. The CD, it's only 10. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a hard time picking which song I wanted to play off their album this week because, well, they're all good. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Adios. (laughs) 